Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, this is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you again today, Missouri Training Institute. Hello. 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 And it's not Administrative Professionals Day today, but in my mind, they should be celebrated every day. They should so. have their whole month. They should. <laughs> they the whole year, Dewey. Come on. Everything they do, they are the heartbeat behind an organization. So you are listening to part two of a three-part series um, talking all about kind of that role of administrative professionals, the heartbeat behind an organization. And today, I wanted a little bit of comic relief in, in our title. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about that clogged artery, though. What we know in this profession, in um, in any profession, any workplace, uh, not just specific to this, but there are times where obviously the role requires you're listening to a lot of different people at a lot of different times, usually with a lot of different requests. And um, one thing that is consistent that I always hear people say that have been in this role before, say, oh, I'm a multitasker. And that's great, but can definitely cause some issues of maybe conflict in times where maybe we should be listening a little bit more to some of those requests. And um, and then we're not listening and we think we know what's getting ready to be said. It can create a, a level of conflict. So that's what we're talking about today. Listening, conflict. Do we look... <laughs> What's going Two on in your head? Topics. Two okay. good topics. Okay. Yeah. Huge. Huge. They topics. are huge. I know. Yep. We're going to break it up into uh, 30 minutes or less here. <laughs> so think about that role. It's kind of kind of go into this, uh, this mindset of administrative professionals and obviously a lot of different demands, a lot of different places. I want to just give some tips and tools right out of the out of the jump on the levels of listening. Like there are different levels of listening and all three of which might have a proper space and time, depending on, again, who it's coming from or what what the situation is. So um, talk a little bit about those three different levels. Yeah, you know, I, I think when we talk about the different levels of listening, I, I want to clarify that not every conversation needs a different mm-hmm. level. You know what I mean? So even as we talk about these, mm-hmm. I still think, you know, there's an appropriate conversation for each of them. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's going to seem like one is better than the other. I, I think just one is a different type of conversation that would require that type of, of listening. Um, but as I know, we're heading into conflict, uh, probably ramping up your listening skills when you think about these different levels. But, you know, kind of just that entry level and probably the worst one for uh, conflicts or difficult conversations is just that what I what we know is the subjective. Right. And so somebody's talking and they're telling you about their story. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah. So last week when that happened to me, I did blah, blah, blah. And you're like, OK, well, this really wasn't about you, <laughs> you know, but we do. We we want to and identify. You just, and you just made an assumption that this is a that it's a similar situation. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, it's it's takes into consideration if you are the listener, it takes your needs into consideration. And so, again, you know, sometimes that's a very casual back and forth kind of thing. But if this is truly leading to a more difficult conversation, you know, that that's interesting. And it's not about you. Yeah, And I think that there's probably many reasons why. And again, I, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. with you of why sometimes that might be appropriate. Right. Yeah. But I also want to caution us, you know, sometimes I think things like um, 
uh, your internal processes uh, that you work um, can actually lead to more subjective types of listening. So, you know, I remember Ray went to the bank when we were putting in a brand new system to open up new accounts and um, uh, people were so, so what they were doing is listening to the customers and only really listening for those things that fit into this computer field or fit into this form that they needed to fill out. So that's what they were listening. Yeah, great. And they were great missing metaphor. so many other great opportunities for things like cross sales, cross sales. They weren't listening to the customer and what their true needs were. They were only listening for what they needed out of that conversation to complete their work. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I also heard you say the word new. And so I think when somebody is in that transition and this is a new behavior, a new habit, then you're right. Um, They're more focused on doing that new process right. And I I remember I'm transported back to that very (laughs) lobby and, you know, not wanting to screw up in this new new space. And I know. uh, Yeah. So I I hear you. That's a great great anecdote. What so I, the subjective one, what's yeah. the next one then? You know, I think just kind of not making it about you, right? Remaining more objective to the situation in that you don't draw yourself in as a listener. So you truly do focus on the speaker. Um, You're not passing judgment, but, you know, and I almost, when I think of objective listening, uh, I think people, to me, this is more of reflective listening, you know, where you almost, I I think you've, and you can call it different names, but where that you just kind of mimic back mm-hmm. like I'm hearing you and so then I kind of just paraphrase your words back to you and that's great that does you know you are picking up what I'm laying down however it doesn't get any deeper than that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and I can see how in you know well that's probably all I did when I was an administrative technician because, um, yeah, I, I just really needed to understand what 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 is it? Am I very clear on what it is that you're asking me to do? Um, and and so it works. I think it certainly, and I think any yeah, of these can yeah. work. Given I, that's what I said earlier, the people or the situation. Um, but the one thing that I started kind of missing through just that process was the connection with the actual individual. And, and so that's where kind of that third level comes in with this is that, that intuitive level, you know, where now you're fully engaged. No, I think it's so interesting. There's actually um, the Chinese symbol for listen is composed of four different characters. And one is the ears, one is the eyes, one is the head and one is the heart. And that makes up the symbol for listening because truly when you are engaged or trying to deepen a relationship with somebody or um, to connect beyond just the task at hand, then you're going to have this level of everything being that fully engaged. Your heart has got to be in the right place where you genuinely want to have a conversation with this person. Um, your you know, ears, obviously, to hear what they're saying. Uh, your eyes, letting them know that you're, you're fixed on them, that, you know, you're taking minding different cultural differences where sometimes that that isn't always uh, wanted um, but then your mind where you're mining all that mental chatter that you have going on and this became very difficult as I started trying to transition uh, into more of this kind of listening because there was a lot of things on that to-do list whether it was at work or whether it was at home that still needed to be accomplished and so mentally taking yourself out of that space shutting that off and saying I'm here to 
fully engaged with this individual. And it did work, but I only needed it to work with a select few people, frankly, because I, I think that's too much. I think trying to to listen at that level all the time can be draining. Oh, could you imagine you'd just be exhausted by yeah. nine o'clock in the morning if you yeah. started that? Um, it, it takes a lot of energy to yeah. listen and to listen well. It takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of um, sometimes that heartfelt um, kind of empathy that you need to demonstrate at that particular level of listening. And it can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You know, I think of counselors. Mm-hmm you know, that do a, a therapists, you know, that do a lot of listening at this level mm-hmm. for hours. And, you know, as a coach, um, it was recommended, you know, four clients tops a day. Wow. Yeah. Because of, of the level of, um, you know, intuitive listening you have to do. That's so interesting you say that because it was just was it this week or last week, Dewey, I, I had a, a coaching conversation and I come into Dewey's office afterwards. I'm like, okay, I just need to like, I need to like run around for, I need to like get, uh, there's a lot of feels right yeah. now. And you know, so, I mean, that, you know, listening can be, especially at that level, uh, an act of restraint, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, you're wanting to, to jump in. You want to identify with them. You want to solve it. You want to, you know, give advice. You want, you know, all of those kinds of things. And you're having to basically hold back the dam um, because that's not at that level what is necessarily needed. Isn't it kind of like that old um, research study that they did where they put like a bowl of radishes in one room with a group of people and a bowl of cookies in another room with a group of people and told the radish people you know, you can't eat these. And they were like, okay, cool. But then you put the cookies in the other room and you're like, don't eat these. And that self constraint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, you're right. You, you I think you mentioned on a previous episode, there's a finite, it's a finite resource. Of, it is. Of I, yeah. I, I don't think I'd have restraint for either one because I love radishes too. Just as much <laughs> yeah. cookies. Yeah. You know, it, it, but even more interesting is how they determined how self-control was a finite resource is after both groups, the radish group and the cookie group were done, they put in front of them a a puzzle mm-hmm. for them to solve that unbeknownst to them was not solvable. Right. And the the radish eaters who or potential could have, you know, um, really didn't have to resist right. the radishes. They kept at that cognitive task almost twice as long right. as the ones who had to sit there and, and be restrained yeah. and use use that self-control. Um, and out of that research, um, came the word ego depletion. And so, mm. you know, they they quit the puzzle long before right. the radish group did. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So there is, and we've talked about it on previous episodes, even that that level of emotional labor that goes into exactly, I mean, that level of listening. And, and that's exactly what we're talking about. It's that, that self-constraint. Um, and, and so recognizing all three of these, the subjective, objective, or intuitive levels, those are just resources, they're tools, they're ways to kind of look at a way to listen now. Um, and that's really what I was hoping to kind of provide our listeners with. But what other suggestions would you have when you kind of put yourself in this role as an administrative technician or um, any administrative professional for that matter in how to go about listening to the multiple requests that are, you know, whether it's email, whether it's in person, I mean, it's everywhere on the phone. Um, it, it's you're inundated with with requests. You know, you said in a previous episode uh, in this series, you know, plan ahead. Mm-hmm. And I think that's 
part of it, I, I would encourage that as well. Like plan to listen, right? Um, you know, so focus your attention and then you can determine cognitively what level is this for me, you know, because I think we ramp that conversation up in our head that might be competing with what the speaker is telling us. And mm-hmm. so now we've got two conversations happening. And so I think just plan to listen. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say things like, um, you know, watch the judgment hmm. You know, when you're listening. Um, the goal should be about understanding somebody, not whether you agree or disagree with them. Um, or even like it. Or even like it. Right. You don't have to like it, but um, you just have to understand what somebody is saying. Um, uh, uh, other things, you know, I think those old, uh, I'm dating myself here, but most of the listening skill development that most people do, um, you know, I think a lot of it's pretty good when they talk about asking clarifying questions, right. you know, when you paraphrase what you hear back from people so that they really know that you're, you've got them, that, you know, that, that you understand the messages. So um, I would try to encourage people to incorporate some of those um, within their listening skills as well. You know, one of the things that's coming to mind as we're having this conversation is um, (laughs) I recall, and I've I've mentioned this in some of my trainings before, but uh, I used to have a woman, um, an elderly woman who would started calling in on Thursdays when I worked at the police department and uh, she used to watch one of the police shows whatever you know what was happening and and the very first time she called I remember it being right at the peak of like the day where there was a million media requests that had come in from the night before I just had a lot going on and I'm like okay just another phone call great and then uh, you could tell it was going to be a little bit, it was drawn out. It was going to be a while. We weren't coming. And all she wanted to do was to tell me what had happened on that episode of that police show the night before. And then she did have some questions. She wanted to inquire about how how did we handle these particular situations? And it was a good 30 or 45 minute phone call the first time. Um, I probably could have cut it off earlier than that. But what really came to mind was kind of what was what was potentially at stake, you know, and then also kind of, of course, you know, me diving into that blue space of wanting to take care. Obviously, she needed somebody to talk to. But what was also at stake if I didn't listen in that case? And I, you know, shushed her off and went about my day. Could she have told her, you know, people around? Could it have been, oh, the police department didn't want to take time to have a conversation with me? You know, there was just a lot of things that kind of went through my head during that conversation. And so as I think about this and that listening and, and do you said kind of remaining non-judgmental. I think I immediately was judgmental. And then I realized again, what was at stake if I continued down that way of thinking? And so having to kind of change the story that was going on in my head. And Ray, you've talked a lot about that before. So acknowledging the other person in a way where it really invited the communication. And she did call me every Thursday (laughs) for at least two months. Now we were able to start limiting it to about 15 minutes on the phone. I want to know, did you start watching the same show so you could get prepared for it? Uh, I actually did it because she did such a great job talking about it. And so uh, I feel like I got the full episode in uh, in that conversation. But I mean, sometimes people people just need people. Yeah, people need to people yeah. sometimes just need to be heard. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. yeah. Heard so, and understood. Absolutely. Well, and that's the two main goals of, of communication, right? To uh, respect one another and to to understand 
And so when we think through that, you know, as you enter into any conversation with anybody in whatever role you're in, we're not, I mean, we're talking about administrative professionals for points of the series, but these tips are, are practical for everybody. I mean, think about, again, uh, what are you trying to accomplish when you're communicating with somebody, whether it's an email, a text message, or those face-to-face? And again, respecting and understanding. You know, I think you brought up a good point as we talk about how important administrative professionals are, um, not just as a harpy, we've been kind of using that, but they might be the face of that entire organization. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned that um, what might she think of the in- whole police department based on my conversation with her. Um, but I, wa- I want to add back in to something we talked about in part one, and that was, did it need to happen right then? Mm-hmm. You know, and again, on anything, may I call you back? what would be a better time between three and four? Right. You know, and so that you're still asserting your rights, but giving space to that. And then sometimes maybe it was like, no, I'm I'm good, you know, and and you've you've listened. I'm going to call you back. You've you've made positive motion or in her case, probably would have wanted that call back, you know, but sometimes it's like, no, I was just dropping by to talk about whatever, you know, so that that control in some situations. And then sometimes you might say, may I call you back? No. It's like, okay, here we are. But you, you laid the groundwork to be in control of that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we ended up uh, after that first call, we did end up scheduling her calls then. So that you're right. It did absolutely add a a, a layer of, um, control or even assertiveness over the situation. Of course. So I want to transition a little bit with the time we have left here and talk about what can happen if we're not listening. And I think that that's where this big C word kind of comes up, conflict. How have you seen that play out or have you experienced it in um, your own workplaces before? Conflict? No. No, I I, I mean, because of something being misunderstood or not, you know, the listening piece not being there. No. Never. Never. I often define um, conflict as the confusion that's created when one's mind overrides the body's basic desire to choke the living daylights out of <laughs> somebody that desperately deserves it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's just a joke. Yeah. Um, I think often, I think often conflict is is about differences. I think that we yeah. often just see the world differently, right? Um, but how we handle that conversation can either escalate it um, or it can, you know, we can just learn to respect each other's differences, maybe opportunities to work with each other's differences into some new way. You know, not all conflicts a bad thing. Um, in fact, sometimes I would think if you're not having conflict, that could be a, 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 an actually a bad sign. Um, conflict can produce um, new, innovative ways of looking at old problems. Um, but we have to, it's about how we're communicating those differences, I think, um, which will either escalate it or keep it as a respectful type of disagreement. Yeah, I, I agree. Conflict is kind of a misunderstood word. We, we normally associate conflict and stress. Um, I think when we think about it in the workplace, you know, it truly is about a difference of perspective. And that perspective comes from where you've been. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so and then you get to make choices about 
your level of listening, your willingness to move off your your space, your willingness to maybe even consider another point of view. Right. Right. Yeah. How do you all define conflict? Besides besides Dewey's uh, definition that he gave earlier, <laughs> how else would you define it? I, you know, I think Dewey used the words I would use as just a difference of perspective. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think I, you know, if I if I really need to give it a, a more proper definition, I'd probably say something to the effect that I, I think it's differences that escalate to a point where you start to see some negative impacts. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether that be a negative impact on the relationship, whether it be a negative impact on the work not getting accomplished or the quality of the work not being there. Um, when thing in the workplace, when when differences escalate to a point that negatively starts to impact things, that's when I think you've got conflict. And I, I also want to think about like the win lose. Mm-hmm. And I think often that's what happens in a conflict that escalates beyond the differences right. stage right. is that. People pair off, you know, or not pair off, but split off. And now it becomes if I win, then you will lose. Or if I lose, you know, that means I've given up to the fact that you've won. Like it's an either all Mm -hmm. situation. And and take that a little bit further. You know, if I win, you lose. That means my way must be the right way. Your way is the wrong way. That must mean I'm smart. You're an idiot. Right. There's always a sense of comparison when we start to approach people from that win-lose dynamic. And I think what the key to a lot of it is, is just to approach it from a win-win perspective. Um, Now, that takes a long time. Sometimes um, that's sometimes difficult to achieve. There's no doubt about it. But I would encourage us to think that it's more of that journey rather than coming up to a really quick solution right now that's going to work for everybody. Um, And the other thing I would say about conflict is when, when you're trying to achieve that win-win, think about it in terms of can we support an idea rather than agreeing with an idea? Because um, I think when we because we often say that, don't you agree? Don't you agree? Don't you agree? This is the way we ought to go. Um, agreement is to me something very, very difficult to achieve because you, again, got differences of how we view the world. Um, I might not totally agree, but. There's a lot of things that I might not totally agree with, but I can still support, right? So I would encourage people to start asking for support for an idea rather than asking whether or not they agree. Back to what you mentioned at the top of the show is just that that non-judgment. Mm-hmm. And so from an energy level, you know, not seeing it as conflict at all, like this is not something to win or lose, right? right? That, you know, this isn't this isn't a game, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think, I mean, when my most basic definition, we talk about, obviously we've done a lot of classes on conflict. <laughs> Imagine that. But, um, you know, that idea of just needs, interests um, of, of a person or parties within that situation not being met. And that's why we combine this with listening, because there's such a critical spe- space there. I think that's a majority of what happens when, when we have elements of conflict. It's because the listening piece hasn't, it hasn't been there. You know, but there is a process to really trying to work through a conflict situation. First and foremost, don't send the email. Okay. Don't send the email, (laughs) put it in your draft folder, give it some time to slow down, to cool off. Um, and then, you know, come back, right. To come back to this. So talk to me a little bit about your process or let me even back up from that. Knowing that we've trained as much as we have on conflict, I would imagine you all are 
leader is also relatively comfortable with conflict. Have you always been or what did it take to get to that point? No, I hate conflict. I hate it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in, in the word beyond the differences, you know, I love the debate. I love to talk about difference of opinions, like why you see it the way you see it. But once it escalates, no, I'm 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 out. Yeah, I don't I don't care. Naturally, naturally. Yeah. Um, with with my natural style, though, I'm always trying to play the peacemaker. I've been playing that that role ever since I was a little boy at home, just based on oftentimes my birth order <laughs> uh, being in the middle yeah. of things um, and not wanting to engage in that negativity a lot. Um, so, um, you know, to me, I guess going back to your question, Brianna, though, is. I think conflict is really nothing more than a problem that needs a solution. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, we're, we're trying to come up with understanding what the root cause of the conflict is, right? Just like a, what's the root cause of a particular mm. problem. We need to engage with the people we're in conflict with to say, you know, what would work? What would be a, a, a solution that would meet all of our needs? Uh, what's a solution that we can all get behind and support? Right. And then maybe go through a process of identifying, you know, multiple options and taking a look and weighing those options. What are the pros and the cons of each one of them? Is there ways that we can combine those options so that we do come up with a, a solution that would meet both of our needs? But, you know, that's the problem solving process. Um, and so I think if you're going to get good and get comfortable with the idea of conflict, um, it's about learning how to facilitate that process mm. to me in, in my in my mind. Yeah. Some great tips, some great tips. So as we are wrapping up, obviously, these 30 minutes went fast, too. Um, but what would be any final pieces that you would add uh, if we're working to really unclog this artery, my friends? What uh, what things have we missed? One thing I would probably say is um, don't ignore it. Don't ignore the clogged artery. Don't ignore the conflict. Um, oftentimes when we do, it just kind of festers and it gets worse and worse. So um, surface those issues, you know, um, and, and deal with them. Get them over and done with. Unless that's been determined as the standard operating procedure. What do you mean? Meaning the two parties agree that this is where and as far as it will get. Mm -hmm. That's what um, that's what Covey calls win win, but no deal. <laughs> you know, we're going to try to approach it from that win win perspective. But if we're not able to get it, 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 no big deal. It's just a no deal. Right. We're going to yeah. have to figure out a different way. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope that uh, you have enjoyed part two. It's been a heavy part two. I'll yeah. say that. But next week we are going to transition and just kind of keep building off of this for our administrative professionals. Uh, and next week we're going to be talking a lot about the time management piece of all of this. I hear that so much. So kind of focusing more on time management, prioritizing. How do we do that? How do we make sure that um, not everything is important uh, and, and give you all some good resources and tips for that? So if you missed part one, I put it in the episode description for you. Uh, you can play that back. If you have any questions, comments, things that you'd like addressed for the next episode, go ahead and shoot them over to us at mti at missouri.edu. And until next time, go be great. 
Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu. Subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Hope to catch you on the next episode of The Weekly Workplace. Workplace.